everything that heaven has for us today, Father. That, Father, it will change our lives, add to our lives, and bring heaven, days of heaven into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Glory to God. You can go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, last week we, I started talking about teaching on faith, and we're going to continue that today. Faith Part 2 is basically the title of the message. So if you would, open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Glory to God. And uh, we'll look at a few scriptures here. We'll do a little bit of reviewing, but then we'll get into some new stuff. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 11 called the faith chapter. And we talked a little bit about this last week. In verse 1 here, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right? And that, that scripture there has been used for years and years to describe this is what faith is. And that's really incorrect because it's not really what faith is, it's how faith behaves. Faith... When you're in faith, you behave differently, all right? And when we, we're going to break this down here so you see it. It says, now faith is the substance. And really, that word substance is a poor definition of the original Greek word because it means to stand with, all right? To stand with. Now, faith is, is, to, is to stand with the things hoped for. And now that word hope is not what the world calls hope, which is I hope it comes to pass. No, Bible hope is based on the promise of God. If you see it in a promise of God is yours, you can now have Bible hope because you know it's, it's for you. It's been given to you. Now, now you can have true hope in that. It's not something that you're wishing or hoping that it might come to pass. No, no, you can have Bible hope because you see it's already yours. How do you get it? Faith. So, let's review that a little bit again. Now, faith is standing on the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, even though the thing that you want to see, you don't see it, faith behaves that it does this. It stands with the promise of God. It's unbendable. It's unbreakable. It's immovable. I call it bulldog faith. It's a type of faith that you're going to hold on to it and you're, you're going to see it manifested no matter what because right now you have it. It's that strong of faith. You're unmovable, you're unbendable, you're unbreakable. You're not releasing this thing. You know, like I said last week, it's kind of like a little bulldog that grabs a hold of a bone and he's got a hold of that bone so tight that can reach down and grab the bone and drag the dog across the room. He ain't letting go. That's what really faith is. It's standing on the Word of God to the point that you are not releasing it. And see, that's why a lot of Christians, they miss God moving in their life because their faith is so weak or it's not, it's not even real. Because most Christians will tell you, well, I've got faith. 
Well, I mean, I don't know a Christian that wouldn't tell you that they didn't have faith. But when things, when things happen in their lives, you're going to find out where their faith is truly at. When a storm comes up, <clears throat> not that God brings storms, but a storm, you can always find out where is your faith at. Because you'll see how people react. Unfortunately, most of the time after a storm has come into somebody's life, it's devastated their lives. They're basically on the verge of giving up, or they have already given up. See, and really the, what's happened is, the revelation is there was no faith there. Because they weren't standing on anything to begin with. They were never taught to stand on anything. They were thinking faith was something that you do when you come to church. That's my faith. Where I go to church. Where, where, where do you go to church? Well, my, my faith is at this church or, or that. That's not faith. That's just where you go to church. Church is important. All right, it's very, very important. And really, more, what's more important is where you go to church. Because you go to the wrong church and you'll, you'll not hear anything of faith. You'll not get anything put into you so that when a storm comes in your life, you've got something to stand up and say, uh uh, not today. Not today. All right? That's where your faith has to be. So faith is always standing on the things that, you, that are hoped for, the word of God that you know that God said in his word, this is a promise. You know, by, uh, for instance, by Jesus' stripes we are healed. Now, that's hoping for that. Faith is now, I'm going to take it and say, I'm going to apply it to my life. If I've got sickness in my body, no, no, that sickness is leaving right now. By his stripes, I'm healed. It's now leaving. It's not going to leave. It's not going, because it's, if, it, if it's in the future, like it said the first part, faith is now. It's always present right now. Sickness is not going to leave. It's, it, it's left. It's left my body. So, how, so, Pastor, how do I describe that if doctors have diagnosed me with this, this sickness? Well, you can say the doctors have diagnosed, diagnosed this is what's going on in my body, but by his stripes, I'm healed. Right Today, I am healed. I've received it because I've received it from heaven. Let's go on to verse 2 here. It says this, For by it the elders obtained a good report. By what? By their, by their behavior. The elders, by their behavior... Standing on the promises of God, their unbendable, unbreakable, immovable actions, their behavior, they received a good report. So if the elders had to do it, now understand who is God talking to here in Hebrews? He's talking to the people. He's talking how they behaved. He's talking how they acted. So we have to keep in flow with that as we start to, as we read the rest of the, the faith chapter, because here's what happens here in verse 3. It says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now I want to go into a little bit more detail in this than what we did last week, because this one right here, to an untrained a mind or one that hasn't studied the original Greek, you may make, you, it, it may sound like God's talking about when he created the worlds. And that's not what this is saying here. 
Keep it in flow with what the word is. He's talking about faith, how it behaved, and how the elders received a good report. For him now to switch gears and, and start talking about how God created the universe, that, that's out of place because he's talking about how people received a good report. So when we look at that, let's look at the first word here. We understand that the world's, all right? This word here, world, is not the word that describes planets. That word in Greek is cosmos, all right? That is the correct word for worlds. This word here in Greek actually describes a period of time, a decade, an age, a, a calendar event. So see, that kind of changes everything and brings it back into alignment with what the writer of Hebrews was saying by through faith we understand that the ages, the, the periods of time, the decades, were framed by the word of God. Now, let's look at this word framed, because this word here, framed, does not mean something that was freshly built. It means, a, it means something that was already there, kind of like a, if you've ever watched a potter make a, a, pot, a, a, a clay pot. The potter takes the clay pot, he put it on a spinning wheel and spin it. And when it doesn't turn out right the way he wants it, he doesn't go get another, another pot of clay. He takes that, that clay and just folds it in and starts all over. That's what this word framed means. It means to use something that's already in existence and to change it. So see, that's why this scripture is not talking about God, how he created the heavens, because he started fresh. It's talking about how the, the elders received a good report, how, they, how in an age, in a time age, it may have started out one way, but by their behavior, they were able to change the age that they were in. That's really what this is saying. Yeah, as believers, we can change times. We can change cities. How many times over the years have you heard ministers say, we can change this town? All right. Yes, those are encouraging words, but now we see it in the Bible. The Bible is saying, you have the ability to change your city. You have the ability to change your age. You can change a decade. You can change your life. That ability is in you if you behave right, if you change how you act. And that's the next one here we want to get into. It says, by the word of God. Now, that word right there, by the word of God, the original Greek says, by what God spoke to them. By what God spoke to them. So what the writer here is saying is that through faith we understand that the ages were reconstructed by the spoken word of God to these individuals. That's why, you know, one of the reasons why God has had me teaching on the importance of you hearing from God. Your relationship with the Heavenly Father is the most important relationship you have in this planet. Because 
out of that relationship, it affects every relationship around you. If you, if you get that relationship right, everything around you will start to change and, and everything will start falling in place. Will it happen overnight? Probably not. Can it? Yes, it can. But probably not. Why? Because you didn't, you didn't get in the situation you are in overnight. It's years and years and years of you doing things the wrong way. You know, even unbe unbeknownly to us, we didn't do it on purpose, but see, now, once the light has been shed on you, it's up to you to do something. And that's what he was saying here, by the, the word that was spoken to them. What's that saying? That's saying that God speaks to us. And what you hear the Father say to you is of so great of importance because that's the voice that you're listening to. The voice you listen to is so important in your life. You need to realize it. Voices are important. We go back into the Old Testament. David, King David as a young boy, when he went to uh, uh, where the Israelites were fighting Goliath, his brothers were there. And his brothers said to him, what are you doing here, runt? Get back and watch the sheep. Now, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's basically what they said. You shouldn't be here. This is for us men. Well, you men aren't doing anything. You're in fear. So, but he, David didn't listen to his brothers. David didn't listen to anybody but God. When he steps out onto the battlefield to fight Goliath, Goliath says, what am I, a dog? That you sent a boy to do a man's work? He wasn't intimidated by that. Why? Because the voice he was listening to the voice that he heard from heaven. Because God told him, go there and do as I say. Even King Saul said to him, he said, before he went out on the battlefield, he said, here, take my armor, the best armor around here, and use it. And David looked at that armor and thought, he had to think this. Yeah, it's not doing you any good. Why would I want to use something that you're not using? But he didn't say that, but he thought it. And what he said was, I haven't proven that. I don't, I don't know how that stuff works. I want to put something on that I don't know how it operates. I know how this slingshot works. I've killed bears. I've killed lions with it. I know how to use this. And so he reaches down and grabs five smooth stones. Why? Because God told him to grab five smooth stones. Not that he was going to need all five of them, but there's, Goliath had four brothers. A lot of people don't realize that. He had needed one stone for Goliath and the other four for the other, the other brothers to kill them. And then he slays the giant. Hits the giant in the forehead, knocks him unconscious, didn't kill him, but the giant's laying down on the ground. Then David walks over, pulls uh, the, the giant's sword out of the sheath, and cuts his, cuts his head off with his sword. You live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And that's what happened with Goliath. So the voice that David listened to was of great importance. He didn't act like everybody else. He knew even though he was a boy, God spoke to him and told him to go there. He told him to go out in the field and take this Goliath out. 
Here's all these men, supposedly brave men of Israel, and they wouldn't fight the guy. And David asked, does the winner get? Well, you get the king's daughter and all the finances. Sounds good to me. I'm going on out. Nobody else would do it. They were afraid. What, what was the difference? The difference was he heard from heaven. And when you hear from heaven, see, if you don't hear from heaven, and you get this, if there's one thing you get out of today's message, get this. You have to hear from heaven. You have to. Failure for you to hear from heaven will impact your life greatly, and it's not God's fault, it's yours. It's not God's fault, it's yours. Jesus said, seek ye, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. Ask, and it will be given. God's just waiting for us. You think you're waiting for God. God's saying, no, I'm waiting for you. So we see here that by it, the things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. So they changed the times. They changed events. They changed their situation by how they acted. Now drop down here to verse 5. and says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, Enoch, whose, whose son was Methuselah, and we know Methuselah lived the longest in the Bible. Now, Enoch, after Methuselah was born, he, he was on the earth for 300 and somewhat years before God took him. Enoch heard from heaven. He heard the Father say, I love you so much, Enoch. I don't want you to die. So for 300 and somewhat years, Enoch was saying, I'm not going to taste death. I am not going to taste death. Everybody else on the planet, they're going to, they're going to experience death, but I'm not. Why? It was based on a word that he heard from the Father. It took 300 years before that event came to pass. But he was unmoved. He was unbendable. He was unbreakable. And one day, he just left. He never experienced death. I'd say that was a good report. And that's what it says. By faith, they received a good report. Let's go on to another one here. It says, but without, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you believe that when you take the word of God and you stand out on it, you're unbendable, unmovable, unbreakable, that he will reward you because he already has. You'll see it come to pass. No matter how long you have to stand, even if it's 300 years. But most Christians, when they, when they hear about faith, oh, they'll stand for a few days. 
maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, a few years, not so much. And if things don't change, they quickly give up. Well, I tried that faith thing and it didn't work. No, faith tried you and you didn't work. Faith always works. Faith always works. Faith has a different attitude. But it says, without faith, it's impossible. Now, that word doesn't mean without, as in, if you don't have any faith. It means outside of the arena of faith. If you get outside of faith and you're not using real Bible faith, it's impossible to please heaven. It's impo- I, I like to say, I've said it for years, it's impossible to receive from heaven. You can't receive from heaven outside of faith. So in other words, it's saying here that faith has an address. Faith has an address. And you know, the very first message that I preached 15 years ago, it was about the importance of places. How places were important. And throughout the ministry, I've taught on that time and time again. Some people get it, some people don't. But places are important. If you're outside of faith, you'll not receive anything. So where you go to church is very important. You can't, you can't go by, oh, they got a great praise team. Remember Jesus' praise team? Neither do I. Remember, remember all the signs and wonders that followed him? I do. I don't remember his praise team. To see people go to certain places for different reasons. It's important that you hear from heaven, Lord, show me where to go to church. And he shows you. So that you're going to get fed the word of God. You're going to get taught the word of God so that he, God can show you that you, when you stand in faith and you're unbendable, unbreakable, unmovable, you'll see it come to pass. And that's why these elders in the, in the, of that time, they received a good report. Let's go on here. It says, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moves with fear, prepared an ark to say to the saying of his house, by the which he, conde- he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is of faith. Think about Noah. Noah's the only one in his family that heard from God. He's building a boat. Why? Because it's going to rain. Nobody's ever seen his rain including his wife and kids. You know, his wife had to be saying to him, look, Noah, are you sure you heard from heaven because I'm getting tired of all these animals out in our backyard. And they're calling you, the people are talking, telling Noah jokes. So it was getting intense. But Noah knew one thing, he had heard from heaven. And on that, he was standing what he heard from. He knew he was hearing from God. It wasn't just something wishful. But it was, it was a clear, divine message. And when God speaks to you, it's, it's not long, drawn-out sh- stories where he's, he's going to tell you everything that's going to happen. He doesn't operate that. It's sometimes just one word. 
It's one word. And that's all you have to go on. One word. But you stand on that word and you say, I'm holding on to this word for dear life. When everybody is looking at you and laughing at you and making fun of you and you're believing God what God told you is going to come to pass and you're standing, you're immovable, unbreakable, unbendable. Noah stood. And how many of you went into the ark with him? Nobody except his wife and his kids. Everybody else, gone. So, same thing today. Just because people aren't listening to you, don't be frustrated. They didn't listen to Noah either. Noah's telling them, flood's going to come. But if we go into the ark, the ark is what? A picture of salvation. You go into the ark, you'll be saved. You stay here, you won't. So what's happening today? It's the same thing. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to give total control of your life to Jesus. If you'll do that, you'll be saved. If you try to operate under your own understanding, you're not going to be saved. You're going to go through a mess. You're going to go to hell. Same thing. It hadn't changed. We're doing the same thing today. It's just not a boat that you see. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he went. Now one thing about Abram, Abram was from Ur of Chaldees. He wasn't even a believer when God spoke to him. They were worshiping other gods. But God speaks to this guy, Abram, and says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He didn't have any children. Why do you think when he went, he took Lot with him? Lot, Lot was his, his brother's son. Well, Abram in his mind thinks, I don't have a son. And my wife and I were far past childbearing heirs, so I'll take my nephew and he'll be the heir. And then they get there and what happens? Still no children. So they get Haggai. And he's going to have a, a child by her. And Ishmael is what they produced. Again, wasn't the, the, the one. God said, your wife Sarah. And then he believed. And it came to pass. Because he started what? He stood unbendable, immovable, unbreakable on the promise of God. He believed God. Now let's go on here. Go to um, verse 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the, the promises, but having seen them afar off. And they were persuaded of them, and they embraced them, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. So these people, they, they hadn't even received the promises. That not received it, but they, they still believe they were still behaving like they received it. Their, their, their behavior had changed, even though they, they, they hadn't received it yet. Look at verse 20 here. It says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. He blessed his, he blessed his children, 
even though he didn't see it coming in his life, it didn't manifest in his life, he said, well, I'm getting old, I'm going to bless my, my children so that it comes to pass in their life. What God had promised. Look at um, verse 21. It says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both of his sons Joseph, and he worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. He worshipped God, believing that the promises that God said to him would come to pass in his children's life. He behaved right. He believed God. And they received a good report. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, let's go here to chapter 12. Now, you understand the book of Hebrews, when it was originally written, it was a letter. They didn't have chapter and verses. It was all, it was all one. So, we have to understand that the flow of this letter is continuing right here. It hasn't changed. He's still talking about faith. It says in verse 1 here, chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing... We also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now let's break this one down. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud. Let's look at that word compassed. It, it means something that it, it means to be completely surrounded but not only surrounded, but stacked upon and stacked upon and stacked upon and stacked upon, stacked upon and stacked upon. All right? We are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, we think of that word as the cloud as in something in heaven. But see, back in that day, when people went to an event, a stadium, the Colosseum. If you, weren't, if you didn't get there early enough and you were late in arriving and, and went to get tickets and the only tickets that were left were at the top of the stadium, they called it the clouds. You were seated up in the clouds. And that's what this word is actually describing. It's actually describing someone that's seated at the top of the stadium. There's so many people around about us and this is what he's saying, wherefore seeing we are also surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are this cloud of witnesses that is surrounding us? It's people from the past that stood and believed God, that heard a word from heaven and believed God. They are all standing around you, watching you, observing you, seeing what you're saying because you received a word from heaven. And they're watching you, whether you are fulfilling it and cheering you on and getting excited as you walk, you go through your life. They're standing there watching you. They're not, they're not doing this with everyone because not every Christian has a word from heaven. I mean, we live in a time where a lot of believers, if you said, what's God, what's God saying to you lately? They'd look at you like you were nuts. What do you mean what God's saying to me? I don't know what he's talking about to me. It's not talking about them. It's not talking about them. This is talking about those that have heard a word from heaven. So places are important. 
Words are important. Understanding is important. Your relationship with heaven is important. Because if you haven't heard a word, you have no cloud of witnesses. Because they're not coming to see you do nothing. They, these witnesses are coming to see you. Because you have a word from heaven. They're watching you. And that's what this is saying. It says, let us lay aside every weight. Now, that word lay aside, it doesn't mean to take something and just throw it away. This word lay aside actually the process in the old Greek which describes someone that's taking off their clothes. Something that has, they have worn and has soiled and it's time to change. And, you know, when you take your clothes off, you just don't go stand in the bathroom or in your, in your bedroom and say, okay, clothes, I'm done with you, get off. No. You go take them off. You take each button off. You push the button through the little hole. You take some time, and sometimes it's hard to get them to go through the hole because the hole's so small. So this, that's what this word is describing. Someone that's taking the time to take off what has so easily beset them? What has so easily, as it says here, lay aside every weight, the weight that has held them back? Maybe it's, it's something that you've, you've worried about. It, and, and that's what the writer's saying here. Lay that aside. Get rid of it. It's telling you and I to do something here. You need to take the things that have bothered you in the past. Take those things off. Put them in their proper place, which is what? Where they're supposed to be clean, in, in clothes, it would be in the hamper. Not just throw them on the floor, but put them in a place. Places are important. So that's what God's saying. Lay those things aside. Put them in their proper place. They're not helpful to you. In a matter of fact, it could be not just clothes. It could be relationships. Maybe you're involved in a relationship that these people keep holding you back, pulling you back, pulling you away from the things of God, and you keep going back and talking to them, trying to get them to change, or trying to tell them something that you heard from heaven, and they're not interested, and they're weighing you down, and they're pulling you away from the things of God to the point where after, you, as you, after, after you're with them, you don't even feel like reading the Bible anymore. Lay them aside. Get rid of them. That's what he's talking about here. Lay this aside. It says, and the sin which does so easily beset us. So see, every person is different. Everybody has a sin. It says the sin. Notice what it says. The sin. What's that mean? Everybody in here has a different sin that hurts you that troubles you, that you struggle to overcome. It, you know, it, it could, it'll vary from one person to another. It may be anger. It may be pride. It may be alcohol. It may be pornography. It, it may be lying. It may be stealing. It may be anything. What he's saying here is set it aside. Deal with it. Deal with it. In other words, he's saying, deal with it. That's what he's telling the church. Deal with it. Set it aside. That so easily besets you. And then he says this. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
Now this word run means to run with an attitude that you never, your feet never touch the ground. You just keep moving, you keep moving, you keep moving. You don't stop, you don't rest. And see, the, the, the life of faith, faith is one that you can't rest. You can't stop living it. You can't say, okay, I'm going to take a day or two off from faith. No, you can't. You can't afford to. Because the world will creep right back into you. And that's what the writer here says. Let us run the race with patience. Now that word patience, it actually describes someone that actually is taking uh, everything that they have in their life and they're dealing with it. They're continuing to die to their flesh. They're dying to their self. As they're running, they're dying with their flesh because the flesh is saying, oh, you don't have to run. You don't have to do that now. You can, you can lay it down for a little while and take a break. That's what this word is saying. Run with patience. Not listening to your flesh. Doing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. What is it doing? It's, what did Jesus say? He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now, you think he was just talking about the cross? No, he's talking about everything in your life. If you lift him up in your life, if you let the Spirit of God deal with you on everything that you're, that you're going through in your life, he will draw all men unto him through you. Why? Because you're yielding to him. It's talking about a person that's running their race with patience. Now, and it says this here. It says, with patience, the race that is set before us. This describes a race that you're running that is out of your control. People that run marathons, all right, when they show up to the race, they don't say, okay, we're going to run this marathon today. But I guess, first of all, we've got to go out and set the course. No, the course has already been set. Your job is to show up and run. And that's what it's saying here, the writer here is saying, your race is already set before you. God already set your race. He set it before you. The course is already predetermined. You don't have to worry about that. Just run the race. Just run the race. Just be immovable, unbreakable, unbendable. Run the race. Hallelujah. Go, do, do this for me real quick. Go to um, uh, Hebrews 10. Just flip back a page. Hebrews 10, verse 32. And we're going to look at this one again here. He says, But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. All right? We talked about this last week. When you get an illumination, okay, the next thing that comes, you're going to have a great fight of affliction because the devil's coming to you to try to take that away from you. He is going to come after you to try to take that which God put in you and get you to just be discouraged any which way he can so that you said that it must not have been God. But call to remembrance the former days after which you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Verse 33, partly whilst you were made 
a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. Now, that word, gazing stock, we don't use that word, a gazing stock. That word in Greek is thea, theatron. It's where we get the word theater. You were a great cloud of witnesses is surrounding you, watching you because you have received a word from heaven. And they're there watching every act in your life, encouraging you, wanting to see, encouraging you, wanting to see you take the next step and the next step and the next step. But they're only watching the ones that have received a word. And it's sad that today in the church, people don't even know that they can hear from heaven anymore. Pastors even stand from the pulpit and say, well, we never know the will of God. Well, that's funny. Why did he say in the word of God to study to show yourself or prove that you would know the perfect will of God? How is that we never know the will of God? I hear pastors. I've heard pastors say that. You probably have heard them too. We never know the will of God. Yes, we do, if we'll study his word. He talks to us. He puts something in you. And you're surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses encouraging you to keep on going. Keep on going. Don't give up. Even when everybody else around you is discouraging you and telling you that you're, you're crazy, you're nuts, why would you want to believe a God that you can't even see? And they're worshiping other things that they can't even see. How nuts is that? And their life is getting worse and worse and worse and worse because why? They don't have a relationship. But because you have a relationship with your Father who is in heaven and you're, you're listening to heaven and he's guiding you and maybe you're not getting a lot of words from him but he's giving you one word. He said, do this. And you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it for, for days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years. And it's been a long time since you've heard any clarity on that. But you're still faithful. You're still standing. You're unmo unmovable, unbendable, unbreakable. And you see the promise coming. Eventually it comes to pass in your life. When everybody else gave up, when everybody else walked away, when everybody else was laughing at you, even Christians, even ministers. But see, there was something different because you heard from heaven. Go to First um, Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to close here. Did you get something today? Need to go back and listen to this. This is powerful, not just because I'm, this comes from heaven. This will encourage you in, in whatever you're going through. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Did I say chapter 6? All right. Look at verse 12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Oh, it's a fight, all right. It's a fight. It's a fight. You know, I, I remember, I've told this story before, but I remember a, a brother in the Lord that we prayed together, and this is years ago, and he, he was diagnosed with cancer. 
And um, I, I tried to encourage him to get into a church. I wasn't pastoring at the time, or maybe I was, I think we were just getting ready to start the church. But uh, I encouraged him to come to, to a Bible-believing church because where they went, it was just, you know, they loved the Lord, but there was just no real powerful word. And everything, what I heard at that time, which I now even understand uh, to a greater degree, it wasn't, it wasn't faith. It was, it was worldly hope. I hope God does. I hope God heals me. I know it says it in the Word. Well, see, you can, know you, you can know it says it in the Word, but there's a difference between you seeing it in the Word and knowing it that it's yours. It's a whole different action. It's a whole different behavior. Well, he went through all the, the chemo and all that stuff and months and months of that and just kept getting worse and worse. And You know, every now and then I'd encourage him to, to go to a church where he could be taught no, we're fine where we're at. We're, we're getting taught the word. But there was, no, there was no real faith. There was no, I'm healed. It was always, God's going to heal me. God's going to heal me. I know God's going to heal me. Well, that's future. And that turns into when you die, people say, well, now they've received their healing. No, that's deliverance. God's purpose for healing is here on the earth. Not when you get to heaven. Because there's no sickness in heaven. The healings are for here on earth. Anyway, the, the doctors had come he, the last time he's in the hospital and he called me down and there were several people that he had close to him that were, we were there and he said the doctors uh, are running the last uh, check on, on me. He said, I just, I, I believe he's going to come back negative. Everything's gone. And the doctor come in the room and, and he said, well, doc, What's the result say? And the doctor just, he shook his head. And he said, you mean? He said, yeah, outside of a miracle, you don't have long. And I seen his whole countenance changed. He, he was going. It, it went from a wishy-washy, was the best I can describe it, a wishy-washy faith to none. Because of what? Because of what was in him. He didn't put the right things in him. He was outside of faith. And that's what the Bible says. Outside of faith, it's impossible to receive from heaven. You can't receive. So it says here, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on the eternal life whereunto you are also called, and you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. That's what it says here. You have professed a good profession before many witnesses. So this is not something you said once, twice, or three times. You've been saying it over and over and over and over and over again before many witnesses. Then let's look here at verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God. Now this is important. When you see something like this, you need to really pay attention. I give you charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. That word quicken means it makes alive, it heals, it delivers all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. And what did Pilate do? 
He made accusations against him and tried to get him to come out of faith. If you be the Son of God, Jesus stood strong. He didn't fall for any of it. He said, are you a king? He said, you say I am. A good profession. Had Jesus slipped up and not said the right thing, he would have escaped the cross. But the Bible says he endured the cross for our sakes, for us, looking to the prize. He endured. See, aren't you thankful that he endured it? Because he endured it, you don't have to. All you got to do is behave right. Behave right. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's stand up. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this word that you gave us today. Thank you for the revelation of faith. Thank you for understanding that, Father, we are professing a good profession before a cloud of witnesses. That we're immovable, unbendable, unbreakable. We stand on your word. We believe what the Bible says. We, and we profess it. We say, whatever, whatever it is, brothers and sisters, in your lives, whatever it is you need, you need to take that, find that in the word of God and take those scriptures and use them like a hammer on the devil's head. No, the word of God says this concerning this in my life. That by his stripe, if it's healing, by his stripes I'm healed. If it's fear, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I have that. I have a sound mind. I don't have a spirit of fear. I've got power. I've got authority. That's why the cloud of witnesses are all around. They're looking for you to walk in your authority. Because you heard a word from heaven. If you haven't heard anything, think about this, church. How many Christians have not heard a word from heaven? They have no... That scripture there, a cloud of witness, is so vague to them, they're like, what is that all about? Martha, what do you think they mean by that? Oh, nothing, Harry. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's right. Because you ain't heard nothing from heaven. That's why it doesn't mean anything to you. See, there's, only things, there's things in the Bible. It's not going to mean anything to you until you receive it from heaven. That's why there's some things God's only going to say to you in church. He's not going to tell you when you're sitting in your lazy boy at home having underwear church. He's not going to say that. I had that happen to me years ago. I had, I had problems in my body. I had a sciatic nerve or something that caused great pain in my body and it went on for, it went on for a year and a half, two years. And I kept taking the scripture saying, by his stripes I'm healed. I was using every scripture standing in the fact that, no, I am healed, I am healed, I am healed. Finally, one day I said, okay, Lord, it's been almost two years. I've had enough of this. If there's something, if there is something in my life that I'm not doing, I need you to tell me. And I, I, dem I demand you tell me. You're my God. You're my Father. I demand you show me.
That's, and that's exactly how I said it to him. What made it him? I was demanding, I, I got to know because I got to get on the other side. This is ridiculous. So we're at Wednesday night church at Oasis. Sitting there and pain in my body. I'm sitting down. And Pastor Mark's up here on preaching. And he was preaching on faith or something like he usually does. And he stopped right in the middle of his message. And he said, you know, you can get in trouble with God by talking bad about godly people even when they're wrong. Even when they're wrong and you talk bad about it, that'll get you in trouble with God. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, that's me. Because what I would do is I would listen to preachers on the radio or messages and they'd say things that were contrary to the Word of God and I would get upset. And I would voice it. I would say, you're, you're deceived, you're a liar. God said, don't touch my anointed, do my prophets no harm. I sat there and I said, that's me. Father, forgive me. I've done that. And I sat through the rest of that message and I said to myself, I know when he says, let's stand up, that painting will be there. At the end of the message, he said, okay, everybody stand up. I stood up, the pain was gone. Now, if I had not been at church that night, Because why didn't God tell me earlier? Mike, your problem is you're saying bad things about... Uh, I wasn't in a position to hear it myself. I needed a man of God that heard from God and could tell me what I, in my rebellion, wouldn't hear. So under a church wouldn't do me no good. I had to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit where Jesus was walking in our midst. And I know now that Jesus said to Pastor Mark, Holy Spirit, tell him the reason why this guy has had this problem is he's been speaking bad about preachers. Tell him. Pastor Mark, boom. Hey, you know you get in trouble by saying things about preachers even when what they're saying is wrong? Changed my whole life. It's the importance of coming to church. There's things that God will only say to you in church. And the cloud of witnesses will only stand around you when you've heard from heaven. You got a word. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, there's one thing the Lord told me to do. I'm just waiting to see if there's anything else. I'm going to be obedient and do it. But I'm going to wait on the Holy Spirit. Well, there's, okay. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. There is more than one. All right, I, I hear the Lord saying this. If you have struggled in this area of faith, that you've heard this message and you understand that, hey, that, that, that gives me correction, it gives me direction. But I need God's presence more in my life. Because there's areas in my life the devil's gotten a stronghold and I need things broken off of me so that I can, I can be obedient to what God has called me to. If that's you, come on down here right now. I don't, we don't need to know what it is. 
But if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, there's some things in your life that God needs to break off, break off of you. Now, this may not see this may not apply to, to most people. If you need that done, come down, come on down here. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Better to be free than to be captive. The Lord will deliver you right now, today, right now. Is there anybody? Is there anybody? Is there anybody? You need it broken off of you so that you can hear that word. If you have trouble hearing from heaven, okay, this is separate now. If you have trouble, if you can say, if you say, I, Pastor, I have trouble hearing from heaven. I don't know that I've ever heard God speak to me. I want you to come down here right now. Right now. Don't, don't even hesitate. Don't think about it. If that's you, come down here quickly. Right now. Right now. Okay, so everybody in here, you have no trouble hearing from heaven. You don't have that problem. Because that's, that's, that's your confession. Because you give, you're given an opportunity. All right? And if that was you and you had that, you had a problem hearing from heaven, don't come up later on and say, you know, Pastor, I do have a problem hearing from heaven. Oh, that's rebellion now. Now you've got a problem not only hearing. Your biggest problem in your life is rebellion. That's why you don't hear, because you rebel. So you've got to repent of two things, rebellion and, and hearing. But God will do it right now. He'll, he'll take care of all that right now if that's you. Come on down. It may be more than one person. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Okay, sister, come on. Uh, step on out here. I heard the Lord.